This is the Johnny and Friends Ministry Podcast, and I'm your host, Crystal Keating. Each week, we're bringing you encouraging conversations about finding hope through hardship and practical ways that you can include people living with disability in your church and community. As you listen, visit johnnyandfriends.org slash podcast to access the resources we mention or to send me a message with your thoughts. Johnny and Friends Area Director Marie DeGeneva is joining us today on the podcast to share how God brought her a deeper healing through volunteering alongside families affected by disability. From being counseled to being the counselor, from shame into freedom, Maria was given a beautiful gift of pouring into so many other Christians walking the same walk. God didn't waste her story, and he is making something beautiful out of yours as well. The Lord is now using Maria to minister to more volunteers, coworkers, families, and donors at Johnny and Friends than she could have ever imagined. And she's here to share that God is never too far. He has an incredible plan and a promise he will never break. Welcome to the podcast, Maria. It's so wonderful to be able to speak with you today. Hi, Crystal. Thanks so much for having me on. You know, I'd love to start this conversation by hearing just a snapshot of your life and what it was like growing up as one of four sisters, including growing up as a twin. And specifically, I'd love if you could share about the family dynamics that came with your two sisters who faced learning disabilities and mental health challenges. Well, Crystal, we always said my dad was the luckiest man in the world to have four daughters. We grew up in a small town north of Boston in Massachusetts and spent a lot of time together as a family and really still are very close. And so my twin and I, Gina, were in the middle. And being from a small town, I think that both of us struggled with our own identities growing up. We were known pretty early on as the DeGeneva twins, and we were very competitive with sports and friends and other things teenage girls might be competitive over. And for myself, at a very young age, I began to seek my value and approval of others in a pattern of trying to earn people's love and people's approval. Today, Jean and I, we're best friends, and she's actually an incredible special educator. But we argued a lot growing up, and she gave my parents a run for their money. So (laughs) while I was probably overly focused on not getting in trouble and doing the right thing, Gina at the time was doing the opposite and it created some tension in our relationship there. But we're, like I said, best of friends today, but we also have an older sister and a younger sister and our older sister is definitely the most creative in the bunch, but began what I remember is having mental health challenges probably in the beginning of late middle school or high school years, like I said, that I knew about. And she also was diagnosed younger with a nonverbal learning disability, which means she doesn't necessarily always pick up on social cues and has challenges in certain social situations. And looking back on it, I don't think I really knew that. And I knew my sister and I were very different, but I was probably, unfortunately, more wrapped up in trying to fit in and run with the cool crowd. And I wasn't very compassionate towards my sister and maybe even saw it as a bit of an embarrassment or something that, why couldn't she fix it on her own, not realizing 
back then that it was not something she even had control over. And I think in reality, this is probably something many families struggle with, but they feel alone because it's not often talked about in communities or even sometimes in the church. And so I hope in sharing our story, it just encourages others to share theirs as well. And I'm so thankful that God's redeemed that relationship. We also have a younger sister, Julie, who is the kindest person you'll ever meet. After years of struggles with reading in school, she was diagnosed in high school with dyslexia. And between that and serving at family retreat, God has actually brought her into the disability field as a job coach and a program manager working with adults with autism. And uh, yes, it's pretty neat. She's finishing an autism study degree right now. And all four of us actually work in a disability related field and using our gifts in different ways. So that's pretty special in a way that keeps us close today. But I think looking back on childhood with those struggles and a lot of those happened, you know, middle school through college years, in addition to all three of my sisters had significant medical challenges growing up at different times in high school as well, bringing on a lot of doctor's appointments and medical appointments that other families might face as well. And while my biggest challenge back then was probably teenage acne. So during those years, (laughs) I did my best not to rock the boat for my parents who were incredible. And I thought that I had to keep it all together because they already had enough going on. And my biggest fear was was disappointing or being a burden to someone. So I would say I was probably a bit of a glass child growing up. Yeah. You know, it's interesting you talk about living in a family where there are some situations and disabling conditions that require a lot of attention. And so you mentioned that you didn't want to rock the boat with your parents because you knew they already had a lot on their plate. So I'd love if you could share a little bit more of that, you have such a heart for the families we serve here at Johnny and Friends and Maria, especially for siblings who may often feel unseen and unheard in light of the daily needs that accompany another family member with disabilities. So you use the term glass children. So I'm curious to know what that means and what that meant for you. Yeah. And when I think about the families that we serve, I know the struggles that I faced growing up probably don't compare to some of the challenges they may face. But when I learned about siblings and glass children in my early 20s, it was significant and it really helped me better understand the context of the pieces of my own life and gave a voice to feelings that I had bottled up for many years. The word glass refers to people or or siblings who tend to be seen right through. A lot of people only focus on the child with a disability or whatever the challenge might be in the family. And so glass children are often unseen or overlooked. Not that any parent ever intends to do that, but there's just other more urgent needs of the other children in the family. And glass also refers to a child that might appear to be strong and usually are, but maybe not as strong as they look. And so in my story, I worked extra hard for a very long time to hold it all together. And it was exhausting until I broke. Yeah. That ability to try to do the right thing, to follow the rules, to be a good student, to excel, to not even let your needs be known, I think it is very common, even if you recognize it or not. And so can't wait to hear more of your story. And yet God started to knit your heart with Johnny and friends 
as you became more aware of your family dynamic, and I know you started volunteering with Johnny and Friends almost 10 years ago, I'm curious about how you were introduced to serving at family retreat and if you had any connections with families impacted by disability before you volunteered besides your own. That's a great question. And it's awesome how God has woven some different pieces together throughout the years. And like I said, growing up, disability, even my sisters, but others, I think I was really ignorant and disability made me very uncomfortable. And I think maybe that had a lot to do with trying so hard to have the right appearance to doing everything I could to excel in school, different things. I just didn't know, but I was very ignorant and had a lot of learning to do in other areas. And so I was actually introduced to Johnny and Friends and Disability through church. My pastor and his wife had two adopted sons my age with learning and behavior disabilities. And back then, they made me very uncomfortable, but I'm thankful today that I think they're two of the coolest guys in the world and bring joy to everyone around them. And so they had attended family retreat, and they and other leaders in our church, including Liz Babbitt, who's our ministry relations manager for Johnny and Friends New England, were very involved with family retreat. And so in 2014, I had just graduated college and had been living at home for a year and working in software sales. The preschool leader for the New England Family Retreat canceled about a month before. And Liz Babbitt shared with the church that they needed someone to meet this need. And my mom wanted to serve at Family Retreat, but didn't want to go alone. So I kind of got that look as all moms are really good at giving. Like you should really do this as if it was as if it was a choice. I had time off. I had the money to go. I knew how to teach preschoolers. So what was my excuse? So in August 2014, thanks to my mom strong arming me a bit, I decided that I would go to family retreat. I would do something good for God and he would owe me one. But little did I know that it was a decision that would change my life forever. Wow. And so what was your experience like at family retreat for the first time? It was definitely, it was life-changing, Crystal. I got to family retreat. I arrived and I remember walking into the volunteer orientation and seeing other young adults my own age who were on fire for Jesus. And that just wasn't the case, I think, for me. And I felt like I don't fit in here at all, which is weird because family retreat should be the place where everyone feels like it fits into the body of Christ. But I grew up in the church. Again, like we've talked about doing the right things. I was a good person. I taught Sunday school, was leading youth group, but I didn't really know what it meant to have a relationship with Christ. I was trying to always earn his approval, and it was exhausting. I was a chameleon to all my different friend groups, whether it was my work people, my family, my church friends, and I just didn't know how to fit in at retreat. And so I got there and I had been out actually, to be honest, in Boston the night before. So I was a little extra tired and I sat in orientation. A young man my age, David Wright, got up and he shared from Isaiah 6 and he was encouraging all of the volunteers before the families arrived. He read in the words, I just remember, woe is me for I'm a man of unclean lips. And that's so how I felt. I thought that there, my chair thinking, I paid to be here. I should at least stay for lunch, but then I should probably sneak out. I don't belong here. But he went on to say, if there's anything 
keeping you, right, from saying, here I am, send me, Lord. Share that with someone before the families come. God wants us to come to Him with our requests. We're here to serve the Lord. And I just thought, I'm not sharing anything. (laughs) No one knew my brokenness or things that I really struggled with. I really struggled at the time with a very broken, verbally and emotionally abusive relationship from college. And I felt so much shame and burden from that and was carrying that into retreat that year. And I thought, I'm not telling anyone my stuff. And I was so afraid that if I did share my brokenness, that would mean I'm not a good Christian because Crystal, Christians are supposed to have it all together, right? Right. And so as the week went on, I started to see families who the world said should have no hope or joy because of their disability, because of their struggles, had more hope or joy than anyone I had ever met. And that was because of their relationship with Jesus Christ. And it transformed my life. I saw the body of Christ, how God intends it to be without us coming with our different masks on. I saw that messiness in the body of Christ is beautiful, that it's okay. The church doesn't need to be a neat and tidy place where we show up with our Sunday school smiles on. Mm. And it changed my life. And so serving at Family Retreat that first year is where I truly believe I, I committed my life to Christ. And it just began a beautiful journey and walk that surprised me with eventually leading to a role with Johnny and friends full time, but some of the most incredible friends and just understanding that the body is weaker without our friends and neighbors impacted by disability. I could go on, but that first year of family retreat has had a significant impact on my life. And I've seen that in so many other volunteers that come to retreat. And I love that, that it's not just our families. It's our families serve our volunteers and together we're co-laborers for the kingdom and lives are changed. Yes. I love that. And even that, you know, your honesty about going to do good, to serve Mm -hmm. at family retreat, (laughs) you know, then God would owe you and just recognizing, wow, I am really broken, desperate and in need of God. And all of us are. It's not about the facade. It's about deep in our hearts, our humbling before God and his grace to us, his rich love for us that we can find our Mm -hmm. security and our purpose. And that affirmation you're seeking has to come first and foremost from the Lord. And Maria, I just love your honesty and your journey (laughs) as a good person who served at church to a thriving career in the world of materialism and success, and then to a committed Christian working for a nonprofit. It's so unexpected. It's such Mm -hmm. a neat pathway. So what was the transition like when you began working at Johnny and Friends? Maybe you can talk a little bit about your career too. Yeah. So I worked after college. I have a business degree and I worked in software sales and had a pretty growing career those first three and a half, four years out of school and was climbing the ladder, but felt God just pulling on my heart that I was supposed to be doing something different. And at one point thought like, oh, nonprofit work, that would be great. But he made it very clear any interview I went to that it was ministry. And, And so I actually at one point had a promotion that I asked for at work and I turned that down and people thought I was nuts. It was kind of a career ending decision, at least where I was at that point. But I was just 
trusting God instead of putting my value in career or what people thought of me. It was a step out in faith and trusting God. And about nine months after that, in a whole series of other God moments that happened, I found myself interviewing for a role at Johnny and Friends as the program manager. So back then that was leading family retreats and all the different programs for Johnny and Friends. So the same place where I accepted Christ, which I could have never imagined that now I would be a part of leading and doing full time. I remember starting at Johnny and Friends in Old Crystal. I felt so inadequate and went back to that comparison game, trying to do the right thing, trying to prove that I fit in at Johnny and Friends. I was probably only about three years really growing strongly in my walk and I didn't have ministry background and I still carried a lot of shame from my past. So, you know, I looked at these people have scripture memorized so much better than me. All these people can pray out loud so much better than me. All these people have been walking with Jesus since they were five years old. What about my past? And there was so much going back to that. And I remember also just realizing God is so much in control of what I do each and every day. And that that's in the business world or ministry, but I think it was even more just plain and, and present and what I was doing. And so some of those things that I carried, again, I carried them in my head and held those thoughts. And those are lies from the enemy. And just like in my childhood and some of those challenges, the enemy wants us to keep those things in our head. He doesn't want us to share them. He doesn't want us to share our struggles. But when we do that, there's so much freedom. And I remember Liz Babbitt, again, our ministry relations manager in New England, sharing, getting to a point where I could share some of that. And that took a while, but she talked about God calling. He doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. And that was so beautiful and freeing for me to know that God called me to where I was, even if I didn't have all the pieces figured out. And that was so very just special to walk and live. And that freedom, I remember I had a manager when I was working in sales and struggling with was I supposed to stay there? Was God calling me to ministry? And he was a believer and that was so unique. And he had told me, he said, if we didn't have believers in the corporate world, what would the corporate world be like? But true. also, if we don't have people with business backgrounds in ministry, if everyone just had a ministry degree or a seminary degree in ministry, what would that look like? And it was such an encouragement that God had planted seeds in me for my previous experience that could bring unique gifts to Johnny and friends to be able to share and meet the needs of people living with disability. And I see that so much on this side of it six years later. And about a year ago, God called me to move from working in programs to overseeing the New England ministry as the Erie director. And I can see how that background has uniquely equipped me for the role that he's put me in today. It's so exciting how when we start taking those steps toward doing what God's calling us to do, how the plan unfolds and it's not Mm -hmm. easy, but he does teach us and transform us and grow us to do greater works than we ever thought possible. And I just love how many people God is using you to impact. So, you know, I'm curious about the work you're doing even now in the New England area with churches. As we reach into our community to reach out to people with disabilities, those lives are being changed. But then when we are linking arms together with 
all people in the body of Christ, mm-hmm. it changes and transforms churches. So Maria, what are some of the ways you've seen churches transformed and lives changed as more families impacted by disability are included in the life of the church? And how has your work with Johnny and Friends been a part of growing disability in the local church? And I love that question, Crystal, because we can't talk about Johnny and Friends without the church. As you know, and many of our listeners know, our vision is a world where every person with a disability finds their hope, dignity, and place in the body of Christ. And so it's just so important to our discussion. And 1 Corinthians 12 talks about those who seem weaker are indispensable to the body. And I think whether it's disability or suffering or any struggles, any differences, that we welcome that with open arms to the church, that vulnerability makes us stronger. It makes us love like Jesus, and it reflects to the world Jesus. And so creating bodies and communities of belonging where people of all abilities are welcome, it helps us reflect Jesus to the world in so many ways. And people living with disability, and here specifically in New England, the statistic is one in four people are impacted by disability. And so if We want our churches to reach the communities that we're in. We have to open our hearts to that. And one story that I just love, it's a little moment that ties to a bigger story. Lakeview Presbyterian Church is up in Maine, and they got involved with Johnny and Friends probably about the same time that I did. First with the pastor's son, Mark, coming, and then Pastor Stephen, and then other members of their church started serving, and then volunteers and families, and it opened the church's heart to disability, to welcome and including more people in their community. And we've been an incredible partner throughout the years, and we've done trainings there. But I was talking to one of the moms. It was about a year ago, and their son is medically fragile, Finley. And so they hadn't been at church because of COVID and had been taking some time off. And she ran into someone from church. And Finley, when he worships, he yells out and worships maybe differently than others might be used to. But it's a joyful noise. And this mom would sometimes be nervous that Finley would be a disturbance in church. But this woman from church said to her, we miss you guys. And we miss Finley singing at church. And it made her realize that they belonged. And I love the definition of belonging is to be missed when you're not there. And it wasn't about some program, but the story is about changed hearts in the church. And we get to hear so many stories like that we can't even begin to capture. And we hear so many stories the other way, Crystal, that are heartbreaking, that joyful noise isn't recognized, and that someone is asked to leave a church. And so in my role and with the fantastic team that I get to lead here in New England, we get to share the need on behalf of those in New England and around the world impacted by disability and invite people to respond with their time, talent, and treasure to open their hearts, to open their church doors to what God has called them to be, to do, and to love all people. I love that story about Finley. Just when there are churches that look at it from God's point of view and say, you know, this young man is praising the Lord and in right. his way. And what a beautiful thing to say, hey, yeah. we are all here to come and worship the Lord. And even if it looks different than maybe what we do, but it's still yeah. 
a genuine praise for God. So I and love Crystal, that. Yeah. And if you're listening and you might be anywhere in the U.S. out there, I think I can speak for an area office. If, if you have questions or maybe you're ignorant, like I was growing up, your local office would love to connect with you, would love to come alongside you and help your church meet your own mission, brainstorm with you how you can include people with disability in that. And so I guess a plug for us, don't hesitate to reach out because we want to come alongside you in accomplishing your mission for Christ. We surely do. And I love what you said, that we want to help you accomplish your mission as a church. We do that through a lot of our excellent resources. You can find videos and training tutorials and PDFs and connect with real people at johnnyandfriends.org slash church. You can also write to us at the podcast if you need more information. So Maria, I just love your transparency and your confidence that all the struggles we face, they really do matter to the Lord. They just do. What are some of the ways God continues to shape you and walk with you through the trials or longings you may be facing. And what encouragement have you found through those trials that you can share with our listeners today? Well, Crystal, I promise I'll weave this all together. But when I dreamed of where I'd be at 32, I'm not exactly, I guess, in that season. But I can also say that I wouldn't trade where God has me right now and step with Him for the desires of my heart without Him. I so desire to have someone to run after God's plans with in a family, but that's just not where God has me right now. And there are times when I'm okay with that, and there are seasons when I'm not at all. And the thing is, God has used this current longing paired with my broken relationship from college and the years of holding it all together and not wanting to be a burden or stuffing my feelings from growing up and in different shames to become an incredible ministry opportunity. My suffering was not wasted, and I want our listeners to know neither is theirs, whatever they're facing. And it's through my time at Johnny and Friends that I found healing, and the very suffering that 10 years ago brought me to tears at Family Retreat has been part of a gift, and it's the most unexpected and beautiful gift of pouring into so many other sisters in Christ, walking the same walk, sharing some of the same desires or struggles, maybe never even finding that freedom to tell someone about it. The story I was so ashamed of back in August 2014, God didn't waste. He used it to encourage more volunteers and coworkers, families, and donors that I could have ever imagined. And so I would just encourage our listeners to not keep their struggles hidden, find someone to share it with, and also to just know that God has a plan for them, that sometimes the unanswered prayers are just part of the blessing. Johnny writes in her book so beautifully, and if you've never read Johnny's story, the encouragement to me this past year was how she wrote about singleness. And it's something that so many people living with disabilities struggle with. A family or a marriage just might not be a possible reality. But through my relationship with friends and neighbors living with disability, I've learned to trust God with all the desires of my heart. And so I want to leave our listeners with something Johnny wrote in the foreword of her book. And she talks about what happened on July 30th of 1967 was the beginning of an incredible adventure that I feel compelled to share because of what I've learned. Oscar Wilde wrote, in this world, there are only two tragedies. One is not getting what one wants, and the other is getting it. And Johnny says, 
To rephrase this thought, I suggest there are likewise only two joys. One is having God answer all your prayers, and the other is not receiving the answer to all your prayers. I believe this is because I have found that God knows my needs infinitely better than I know them, and He is utterly dependable no matter which direction our circumstances take. I just love to leave our listeners with that and know that God hears them, even in seasons where they feel hidden or unknown, He has them and He's covering them with His wings and He's outstretching His arm and He just wants them to grab on and cling to Him. So thank you so much, Crystal, for having me on today and letting me share a little bit about how God has worked so unexpectedly, but incredibly wonderfully in my life. Thank you for listening today. For more episodes, find us wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to subscribe. We'd also love it if you would tell a friend. And for more encouragement, follow Johnny and Friends on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube, and visit our website at johnnyandfriends.org slash podcast. Thank you for listening to the Johnny and Friends Ministry Podcast.